Hello listeners and welcome to State of the Union, your weekly breakdown of all things Scottish independence. I am your guide through the night, Stephen Payton. The date is Friday the 14th of May 2021. Let's get into it. Kicking things off this week, a brief roundup of some news around the election, which feels like a lifetime ago already, but actually happened in the past week. An increased pro-independence majority has been returned to the Scottish Parliament, building on the mandate once more for a second referendum. 64 seats for the SNP and 8 seats for the Greens represents a clear statement of intent from the people of Scotland. And that is that it's time we had a say in our constitutional future. Since the result, it's already been claimed, and I'd argue rightfully, that the Greens should have had an additional two seats, and would have done if not for a fake party called the Independent Green Voice, who used a similar logo as the Greens on the ballot. The party, if you can call it that, includes an alleged Holocaust denier and two former BNP activists. You may already know the guy who fronted it as Manky Jacob, the man behind the anti-independence A Force for Good group, regularly spotted at pro-independence marches, wearing a Union flag shirt. In both Glasgow and the south of Scotland, the party who did no actual campaigning received significantly more votes than the other small parties, and it's speculated that this may have been caused by voter confusion. If true, it was enough to ensure that two Green MSPs were missed out on, and that the makeup of the Scottish Parliament is not actually representative of the people in those regions. The Electoral Commission has received hundreds of complaints since the election, and the Greens are reportedly looking at ways to proceed. But, even without those two extra Green MSPs, it was a great result for them and for the SNP. And you can just tell that the Tories at Westminster are taking it extremely well. Following the result, the former head of Downing Street's union unit, Luke Graham, has suggested that the Tories change the law to prevent another referendum until at least 2034. He went on to say that Boris Johnson should wait a year or so to do it though, just so the decision doesn't look like a knee-jerk response to the election result. Here's the thing though, Luke, if you made the decision after seeing that Scots had democratically backed a pro-independence majority, then... That's exactly what it is, and delaying it by a year is fooling no one. The real crux of the issue here is that some Tories are so desperate to protect the Union that they are willing to throw the foundations of democracy out the window. They are telling us that their personal desires are more important than respecting the will of the people, and that they are willing to force them on all of us. That's Westminster, just constantly moving the goalposts and then eventually taking their ball home. And speaking of moving the goalposts, an old clip of Ruth Davidson made the rounds on Twitter this week, in which she claims that you don't get a referendum for free, you have to earn it. So if the Greens and the SNP and the SSP or any of the other parties who have declared an interest in independence get it over the line and can make a coalition, make a majority, get the votes in Parliament, then they'll vote through a referendum. That's what democracy is all about. Well, I couldn't agree more, Ruth. Except... Of course, we won't be hearing that argument from Baroness Davidson again anytime soon. Not when that's exactly what happened. It's not just the Tories shifting the goalposts though, but much of our pro-union media as well, which has been desperately trying to find ways to discredit the election result. Andrew Neil in the Daily Mail noted that the SNP's failure to secure a majority meant the union would live to fight another day, completely ignoring the fact that the Greens exist. Or that, electorally speaking, the SNP were the largest party returned by a significant margin. 
SNP President Michael Russell noted that Neil and the rest of the unionist bubble were just talking to themselves now, reassuring each other that the union remains safe, even though it very much is not. In fact, across the political sphere, there's been an odd desperation to deny the reality of last Thursday's vote. The Tories went as far as saying that the SNP didn't even win the election, which maybe they actually believe, given their narrow, backwards approach to parliamentary democracy, which views politics as two big boys having a fistfight. But the SNP clearly won. Writing in The Scotsman, the former Labour First Minister Henry McLeish stated that after the election result, Johnson and the Tories must change. Their current position is ruinous to the idea of working out a different future. The old political union is not fit for purpose. We have the mandate. Now it's time to use it. And more than that, we can already take steps as if we live in a better independent nation, like we did in Glasgow yesterday in blocking a raid on two men by the Home Office. More than a thousand protesters showed up to look out for our community and to tell Pretty Patel where to put her hostile immigration plans. That's the kind of city and country I can be proud of. And finally, this week, Wings Over Scotland has announced he is retiring his blog again, except not really as he'll be waiting until November to make a finally final decision. Stu Campbell, who runs the site and backed the Alba party, cited the election result as a key reason for his decision, that being the election that returned a pro-independence majority to the Scottish Parliament. But that does bring us to an end this week. So with all that said, where does that leave the State of the Union? As trapped in place as a home office van in Glasgow. See you all again next Friday.